Welcome to Aberdeen, Washington and the Port of Grays Harbor. As we speak, at this very moment, the Panama-flagged Ocean Flame bulk vessel is being tied up at the AGP dock to load with soybean meal. How cool is that? Agritalk is proud to partner with the United Soybean Board to focus on U.S. soybean farmers' efforts to build and service markets around the world. Via Farm Journal broadcast, this is Agritalk. This afternoon, we begin with a conversation with Gary Nelson, the executive director of Port of Grays Harbor. Then it's Mac Marshall from the United Soybean Board. And finally, Maryland soybean farmer, Belinda Burrier. Directly following the news, Todd Bubba Horowitz from BubbaTrading.com. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson. And now, the host of Agritalk, Chip Flory. All right, Davis. Hey, thank you so much. Yeah, we got Big Apple Joe Stackler and myself out here at the Port of Grays Harbor in Aberdeen, Washington. It's a very cool experience. We're telling the story about soybean, soybean meal, how it makes its way from the Midwest by rail out to the PNW, loaded on a vessel, and, dude, we got to see a vessel come in, and um, uh, we had to leave before the ropes were coming down. But, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was barely moving when we left. And it's just really um, eye-opening. It, it, mm-hmm. it adds so much perspective to see that process happen with the boat coming down the river, the tugs yep. going out to meet it. They make the turn. They get pointed mm-hmm. back out to to uh, uh, deep water, and yep. uh, they tie up at that dock and uh, there at the at the meal loader. It's just uh, it was really really a cool experience. So you're in Aberdeen watching all this going on yeah. when they finish loading yeah. the uh, vessels. Does is it by any chance customary for them to yell "Yabba Dabba Dabberdeen"? Um, I don't when they're know done? about that. Is that some kind of sing- signal? I don't. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know if they're into that or not. But you know who was from Aberdeen? Uh, James T. Kirk. No. Listen. Oh. Hmm. Little Kirk Cobain. We're right here oh. in his hometown. He's from Aberdeen. Yes. I bet at some point he said "Yabba Dabba Dabberdeen." I guarantee <laughs> you think he it. Did? I don't know oh, if he did yeah. or not. A mind like that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A mind like that? I think I could probably say no. <laughs> he didn't say that. Oh, it's just fantastic out here. We're really, really enjoying awesome. our time. So, all Good. right, let's get to it. What you got in the news, buddy? Sure thing. Well, Chip, the wheat complex posted decent gains despite U.S. dollar strength as global production concerns increase amid unfavorable weather in many growing areas. World Weather reports Argentine wheat production continues to struggle due to dryness. World Weather also notes dryness in Western Australia will continue to be a concern for that nation's wheat and barley production with the combination of hot temperatures inducing greater stress for reproducing and filling winter crops. December HRW wheat futures three and three quarters higher, 670 and one half. December SRW wheat firmed nine and three quarters to 580 and one quarter. December spring wheat closed at 733 and one half. That's five, uh, up five and three quarters today, Chip. Yeah, the, the issues are starting to build for the global wheat crop. Uh, yes. And if that can bring some additional demand like it has for soft red winter wheat to the U.S., 
That's got the potential to lock a low in this wheat market. Corn futures drafted higher on strength in wheat. Ethanol production averaged 1.035 million barrels per day during the weekend of October 13. That's up 31,000 barrels per day from the previous week and 1.9% above the same week last year. Ethanol stocks dropped 414,000 barrels to 21.112 million barrels, the lowest since the weekend of Dece 24, 2021. December corn traded as low as 488 and one half, though the 10-day moving average of 491 and a quarter continues to serve as support. Resistance stands at 494. December corn futures were three cents higher, 492. March corn gained two and three quarters to 506 and a half. May corn futures closed at five and a quarter and a half, up three and one quarter cents. We can see the outside of the uh, trading range from here. <laughs> oh, I don't think we can get there can. from here, buddy. Yeah, I don't know. That's about <laughs> as narrow a trading range as we can get. But, boy, what positive uh, ethanol numbers there. That was oh, that, That's really good. A big increase in production and a big draw on stocks. Soybean futures whipsawed throughout the day but ended the session well into positive territory. USDA reported a daily soybean sale of 132,000 metric tons to China for the 23-24 marketing year. Hot and dry weather will impact central west Brazil for the next week, resulting in accelerated moisture loss, rising plant stress, and the potential for crop failures in areas that were planted on light (laughs) moisture. This according to World Weather Inc. Southern Brazil's wet bias will remain in place for the next couple of weeks. November beans 14 and a quarter higher, 1311. Jan beans up 13, 13.29 and one quarter. March beans closed at 13.40. That's up 10 and three quarters today, Chip. You know, back in May, all of a sudden, you and I were saying, drought? They're talking about a drought? <laughs> Why are they talking? Well, here we are already thinking, well, we've got a drought developing in, in a very key production area in Brazil. Well, December cotton was 101 points higher at 84.24 today. On your livestock's nearby live cattle closed modestly higher as traders wait for cash cattle to develop this week. Dece live cattle futures 32 and a half cents higher, 187.20. November feeder futures down 72 and a half to 249.72 and a half. And lean hog futures were mixed. Nearby's closed higher though. Dece hogs 47 and one half cents higher, 68.02 and one half. Over to you, Chip. All right. Thank you very much, Davis. Let's get. Bubba to go ahead and unmute himself. Uh, Todd Horwitz, BubbaTrading.com. How you doing, Bubba? Is that right? Yeah, you're and, there. Uh, do I have it? Did, did I figure it out? You did. Good for you, Bubba. It's hard to see, it bright, it's hard to see those numbers as bright sunlight. Well, that, oh, are you out on the golf course again there, big guy? Of course I'm on the golf course. I mean, you know, listen, grains had made a bottom. I told you that two weeks ago. Yeah. They're up nicely again. I mean, you know, i got to go out and celebrate the victories. Well, <laughs> exactly, and it almost feels like wheat wants to participate. Beans want to participate. It, the, 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 uh, the rally's gaining a little momentum, isn't it? I think so. I, I think we're going to see. In fact, this morning on RFD, I said that beans would close over thirteen dollars today when they were about twelve ninety seven. I think that we're, we've done it now. Now again, we're not going straight up. You know, again, this is not like just have to run in and buy today. There'll be pullbacks. There'll be some trade, but the trade is a lot more positive now. And I think that you know, with the with the bad news of the higher interest rates that's going to continue to come, I think that's going to put pressure on equities, and I think that'll also bring in some new money to the grain markets as well. Uh, but we look pretty solid now. It does appear that we did make a pretty solid bottom a couple of weeks ago. 
And, uh, you know, again, the, the, the patterns, everything looks good. I would look for a little resistance in corn now around five bucks. I'd look for some resistance in wheat around six. And I think beans are somewhere around 1340. But I think they are going to be headed north for now for a while. Bubba, I can tell that the markets are changing because I can see a, sh- a change in your focus. I can hear it. Well, I don't have to talk about the idiot Federal Reserve anymore. I can talk to you about what's real, what's really important. I'm not talking about the morons that run this country. <laughs> there you it know. is. We got it, Big Apple. We knew we could get it. All right. Good stuff, you Bubba. You have no problem getting that out of me. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks to the chipper. All right, buddy. We'll talk David. to you later. <laughs> yeah, I <did>. All right. <laughs> that is Todd Horwitz, BubbaTrading.com. Okay, we are at the Port of Grays Harbor. Coming up next, we're going to talk with Port Director Gary Nelson. I've got a lot of questions after seeing the port. I can't wait to get Gary back on here. That's coming up next on Talk. I don't know what you're thinking. So call us at 855-4-TALK-AG and tell us what's on your mind. Welcome back to AgriTalk. AgriTalk is partnering with the United Soybean Board to bring you all up to date on what's happening at the Port of Grays Harbor and how the port is changing with the changing needs of the soybean industry. Nobody can address that better than Gary Nelson. He is the executive director here at the Port of Grays Harbor. Gary, it's good to talk with you again. Thanks, Chip. You bet. I, we we got to see something really cool out there. Yeah, you did. <laughs> that vessel coming in, I understand it's making its maiden, maiden voyage. voyage. Yep. Uh, we got to see that whole process out there. To me, Gary, it all looked very efficient. It looked smooth as silk. I just don't understand how everybody's where they're supposed to be when they're supposed to be there. It all looks good when the sun's out and the wind's not blowing. But I'm telling you, when it's blowing southwest 30 miles an hour, it's a little bit more touch and go getting that up against the berth. Yeah. Without crushing something. So, yeah. Um, but anyway, I'm glad you got to see it. Oh, yeah. It, 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 was, uh, it was fascinating. I mean, when an operation goes off like that, even on a bluebird day, yeah. you still got to feel good about it. Oh, yeah. I mean, you got uh, the pilot boat, the pilot boat captain and his crew that get the, you know, uh, the pilot onto the vessel. Yeah. You got the tugboats, the pilots. Um, it's a really a mastery of coordination to make it. It does. It does look like they do it so much that it looks smooth as silk. But yeah, it's now, a lot into it. Now there at at the dock that we were at, there's a turning basin. Is yep. that what it's called? Yep. Okay, talk to me about that. Um, basically, they like to when they're loaded. Vessels are loaded. You don't want to. You don't want to turn a loaded vessel because right. it's hard to turn it. So they always flip them around so they're headed outbound, um, starboard side two, um, when they start loading. So then it's a lot easier to, to get them, you know, move them around right. that way. Uh, the turning basin, you know, you mentioned infrastructure. We actually have a meeting on a uh, week from Monday with the Corps to talk about changing the turning basin configuration to help us um, – handle the increased volume and in the vessels the same vessel size yeah but there'll be more of them yeah so. you know it was amazing to me i mean it, it turned them on a dime right yeah. there those two two tugboats that huge vessel turned it on a dime right there and had it pointed in the right direction it's really cool yeah it is it yeah is. yeah never, i never get tired of watching it okay uh there is a lot of investment being made out here at the port right 
first off, talk to me about the effort of the expansion that you've got going. Uh, just leading up to actually breaking ground and making it happen, Gary, it's got to be incredible. <laughs> it's uh, it's that's probably the most stressful piece. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the permitting, engineering, design. Uh, we have a, a very good relationship with our local indigenous tribe, the Quinault Indian Nation, and yeah. we work very closely with them. Um, and it's just a lot of moving parts, just like we talked about the tugs. Um, yeah trying to get everything done and meet because we because we're getting a MARAD grant for 25 and a half million dollars we have to do a federal um, environmental review okay. so it's a different process than it would be if it was just state uh, funded so right um, so that's that's a it's been a real challenge we've been working on it for boy a year and a half maybe okay um, and we still got probably another five or six months to go okay just in the planning process yep yeah Bef- yeah before we can access the funds and, and right go out to bid we hope to be going out to bid uh next spring okay when it's all done what's it going to look like over here um <laughs> it's it's going to be an incredible rail yard we're going to add fifty thousand uh feet of a uh, lineal feet of rail to go with our existing probably thirty seven thousand feet of storage tracks uh on dock rail uh, we'll have a new fender system on the dock to handle the bigger vessels, um, and then we're gonna we're putting in a whole new stormwater system to make sure that we can be environmentally friendly uh, as best mm-hmm. we can handling uh, the product. Um, and then you're gonna see uh, a, basically a, a dump house. It'll have two pits, but so basically two pits in one dump house, and uh, it'll feed out to the. I'm sure you were down to terminal four. Yes, and there'll be three uh, fixed position cranes that will load, um, they'll rotate and be able to load a couple hatches each so they can cover the whole vessel. Um, It's going to be real, real exciting, real efficient. A lot will probably, we should be loading about twice as fast as we are now because you saw we just have one spout. So every time you you don't get, you don't just pour into a hold and fill it up. Yep. You, you got to go a little ways, and you got to go down here, put You're a little right. bit here. You got to make sure it's balanced the whole time. So there's quite a few moves. We're um, the AGP, the design the AGP has come up with is pretty exciting. That it'll be able to be a yeah. lot more efficient in its loading. Yeah, and and just to be clear, we're talking about loading soybean meal. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when those trains roll in at this new dock, I understand they're going to unload and go straight on the boat. Yes, it's a straight. Yeah, we call it a hot, hot operation. It goes right. right on the vessel. Yeah, that's very cool. But that's how we started back in 2003. It was a hot operation, okay. so we learned how to manage rail traffic and vessel loading and weather and all those things. So we've had some experience in that. Okay, so when when that is done, when it's complete, how much meal can you load out in a year now? Or is loaded out. We, you know, we started chip about two hundred thousand metric tons a year. That was what we shot for. Uh, we're doing about two and a half million metric tons a year uh, <laughs> now, and I, th- I think the plan is to probably double that. So we, you know, we should be in the five and a half to six million metric tons a year. And it's it, that's all on AGP. It, it's all an AGP operation. Um, you know, all we do is operate it for them. Right, I don't, I don't right. know where they source it from. I, you know, I got you. I, I think their uh, existing facilities could could uh, fill that, but I yeah. think they're you know they always are trading and, and uh, doing things with other customers. So. Okay, so think up and down the whole line from that soybean farmer to unloading to the 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 guy taking delivery of the product. 
who's going to benefit the most from all of this from the expansion plans um I, I there's so many beneficiaries throughout the chain from the farmers in the midwest um to the uh, facilities that want the the bio or the oil to you know to do mm-hmm. uh, refining, to us it, it's just a, a godsend to our community. And people say, "Well, how does this partnership work?" And I really think, Chip, it. Um, I've at, been asked that many times, and I think what really strikes is our community is a lot like um, the the farmers and the communities that we that are sourcing their product out yeah. here. We share um, a lot of the same cultural values and work ethic. And, you know, we have farmers come through several times a year through here, uh, even when they're on vacation, personal vacation, they'll call up and say, hey, can we come by and see it? So it's, you know, it that's, that's the difference here. Well, since you went down that path, we can even say Aberdeen, Washington shares a, a highway with Aberdeen, South Dakota. Yep, yep, that's exactly <laughs> right. It's a long drive. It's a long drive on Highway 12, but it, but it's the same road. Yeah, it is. It is all the way through. Oh, that is that that is so cool, so cool. Um, the the rail plays such an important role for you here. Is the rail side of things keeping up with what your port is going to be able to do? That's yeah, good. You bring that up. Yes, um, they're they're just actually doing a ribbon cutting for a new siding um, next week uh, over by Elma. Uh, I just had lunch with the general manager, and he's. Uh, going to their board to add another passing track in Montesano um, and they're going to add some rail over at the junction with the BN and the UP over in Blakesley Junction in Centralia to <laughs> lengthen those out so that it'll just smooth everything out um, and of course they're always uh, maintaining and inspecting yeah. um, So, and we have several bridges obviously and, and they um, you know they're, they're always working on those it seems like as yeah. well but um, so I'm, I'm you know I'm happy to see that they're starting to invest heavily in the line to yeah. be able to carry that new volume. Yeah, very good. Could bring some diversity to what you load out here. Uh, could, but it's yeah. gonna, this going to pretty make us pretty damn busy. Yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. It's all good. I only got about a minute left here, Gary, but I got to ask, what does the relationship with, uh, with, with United Soybean Board – and the partnership that you've got mean to Grays Harbor out here? Um, you know, they've been here uh, since day one, back in 2002, 2003, and have been supportive all the way through. Um, I, th- I think uh, Mac will mention they also provided some funding um, with the Soy Transportation Coalition to help us with the upfront costs uh, to get this project going. And uh, we're incredibly thankful for the support they'd offered us for the last 23 years. Yeah. Yeah, I tell you what, I I was on Twitter a little bit ago, and I was getting some messages from some guys out in Nebraska and South Dakota and Iowa. I'm telling you, come out here and have a conversation with Gary. (laughs) Uh, Talk about a guy that's easy to sit down with and and, uh, uh, learn about what's going on at the ports. This is... uh, this has been quite the experience, sir. Thank you so much for having us. Oh, my pleasure, Chip. All right. Great. Thank you so much. That's Gary Nelson. He is the executive director here at the Port of Grays Harbor. He also mentioned Mac. That's Mac Marshall. He's coming up next. He's uh, VP of Market Intelligence for USB. We're going to talk about this role that USB plays in building those markets overseas building up the infrastructure. Mac Marshall next 
here on AgriTalk. Let's go to the markets page at profarmer.com where December HRW wheat futures were three and three quarter cents higher, 670 and one half on today's close. December SRW wheat firmed nine and three quarters to 580 and one quarter. December corn futures were three cents higher at 492. March corn gained two and three quarters to 506 and one half. November soybean futures 14 and one quarter cents higher today, 1311. January beans firmed 13 cents to 13.29 and one quarter. December cotton, 101 points higher, 84.24. On the livestock side, December fat cattle futures were 32 and a half cents higher, 187.20. The February contract was up just seven and a half to 191.07 and one half with the November feeders down 72 and a half to 249.72 and one half. December lean hog futures, 47 and a half cents higher, 68.02 and a half. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. Our name says it all. AgriTalk, what more do you need to know? Welcome back. We are so proud to be partnering with the United Soybean Board to bring you up to date on what's happening at the Port of Grays Harbor and how things are changing out here to keep up with the industry that is changing very quickly. And we need to talk about that a little bit more with Mac Marshall. Mac is the VP of Market Intelligence at the United Soybean Board. Well, I said hi this morning, so <laughs> hi this afternoon. Hi this afternoon. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah but, very but I, cool. But I feel like things have changed so much since this morning. Well, don't you, what did you learn over there? Well, don't you feel like we just went on this huge educational journey yes. seeing all the port? I mean, I'd been here before, like I said, on the morning segment, yeah. but did not, and, and really just saw the meal loading terminal, not the full breadth of where the expansion is going to be on yeah. site and you really get an appreciation for the, the full scope here you yeah. see you know it's not just a port for soy meal though naturally that's what we're talking about you see you know shipment for you know lumber lumber and the, yep right and really cool too i either forgot or didn't realize that there's a biodiesel terminal yes. here too right yes. and talking to speaking about soy and now a renewable diesel mm-hmm. yeah it, it, it's just it's fantastic we we i've been so meal oriented about this because that's the project that's the expansion that's what you know the the check that's why the checkup is investing here but also to know that there's the renewable energy component here too it's just you know further example of all the places in the economy that soy touches yeah oh yeah and and well <laughs> to think to think that growers, soybean growers in South Dakota, in Nebraska, in North Dakota, in Iowa, in Minnesota, you know, I'm looking at that area that loads a lot of beans to come out to the PNW. The impact that they have on this community out here, it I I don't think I've ever tried, I've ever thought to connect those dots. I, well, I wouldn't have either, right? So, you know, just for what it's worth like i don't come from an agricultural background i've worked in the ag mm-hmm. industry for you know close to two decades now but i don't come from an ag background one of the reasons that i love working in agriculture is it's so important to meet people face to face and be on site and see mm-hmm. where production actually happens mm-hmm. and that's what's so cool about you know when you go to an infrastructure site like like critical infrastructure that is linking together buyers and sellers internationally domestically globally yeah and 
when you see the impact that a a region that has no border continuity with where we are now, right, and what that can do. I mean, hearing about the potential economic prosperity mm-hmm. in this region that can come from this port expansion, mm-hmm. that's investment that soy farmers are making to help expand market access, yes, to help narrow basis. But it's also having a ripple effect on local economies. Yeah. Like, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, we put out a study with National Oil Seed Processors Association on the economic contribution of the soybean industry to the U.S. economy, mm-hmm. over $124 billion. And it's one thing to read that, and that number is staggering, don't get me wrong. But when you actually come to a site and see how it all kind of flows together. Yeah. And listening to Gary talk, just all the minutia and everything that has to happen yep. in order to get this expansion going. That's where where it's so exciting to see all those gears turn together. And, you know, speaking from a soy checkoff perspective, to play a role in helping turn those gears through helping fund the expansion. Yeah. There's a lot that it's has abs- to happen to unlock the money to, to actually get the steel on the ground. Yeah. It's, it's it's absolutely fascinating. Now, the work that USB does around the globe, you, you do it w- within partnerships with WISH. Absolutely. I mean, partnerships are the hallmark of what we Tell do. Tell us about it. So, WISH, World Initiative for Soy and Human Health, um, you know, it's a uh, really focuses on very early stage non commercial markets like there are plenty of markets around the world that are still developing economies where maybe there's not a lot of protein consumption so there's you know not necessarily going to be a full appreciation for the value that soy brings mm-hmm. to you know animal production right so you take a market like Cambodia for example right it's not a commercial market for US soy at the moment but there's a lot of aquaculture going yep. on there and of course across all of Southeast Asia so you know Cambodia is an example really uh, you know central part of you know how wish goes about kind of early stage market development and then yeah. once markets become commercially viable you've got USAC the US soybean export council you know that continues to work in those markets on capacity development on knowledge transfer on really showcasing the value of US origin soy soy meal soy yeah. oil soy products uh, for whatever that local community is and and showcasing that there are differences in where you source from fundamentally matters. Because when, you, when you're buying from the U.S., when you're buying U.S. soy, you're insourcing a whole bunch of attributes that we have in the mm-hmm. U.S., a sustainability profile, mm-hmm. right? You're getting reliance, uh, reliability of supply and shipment. And through infrastructure investments, you're getting that reliability, but also with increased efficiency because you've got higher loading capacity. Yep. We talked about, you know, the ability to load directly onto the ship. I mean, all these things, you know, each little one is like a little Lego being added to that yeah. set. And then you put it all together and we've got, I don't know, whatever whatever childhood castle you love yeah. all coming together. Yeah. I, I uh, prefer to go with the Star Trek Enterprise. You know, there's like 1,500 pieces to that Lego set. Yep, yep. I've used that one in several examples in the past. So it, it's it, it's a solid one. It's, it, it's a solid <laughs> one. It's a, a, I got two young kids, and I love Legos. So you <laughs> yeah, know, it's a metaphor that always works for Abs- me. Absolutely, absolutely. The this morning we talked about the changes that the soy industry is going through. Um, of course, there's challenges that come come along with that. But the opportunities, Mac. And, and that's why you have to look at it, right? I mean, I think anytime there's a major disruption 
to yeah. a market or a system of doing things, you have to look at it from both sides, right? Going back to what we were talking about earlier today, the renewable diesel expansion in the United States. Yep. That starts out as, this is fantastic. We're going to have this whole new wave of demand for vegetable oils and soybean oil, chiefly yep. among them. That's all really exciting. But this future promise and, and potential also creates a whole bunch of intermediate problems that have to be solved for. Well, how are we going to get all that oil? Well, we got to build a whole lot more crush. Okay, yeah. well, how do we think about the meal offtake angle for the crush? Well, that means we need to do more in our export channels. And that means, you know, we need to invest towards port, expanding Port of Grace Harbor. Okay, well, how do we get that expansion? Well, we can't invest in, you know, physical infrastructure but we can put money towards site design, permitting, et cetera. Right. And, right. And, and it's just understanding all the different pieces here throughout it and the partnerships that have to come together to, yeah. to make it all happen. It, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, the effort and the planning that Gary was talking about before shovel goes in the ground on this thing, they need help. Absolutely. And actually, I kind of liken it to the situation that farmers find themselves in all the time, right? I was, I was talking with... Uh, with one of our directors, Belinda, who'll be on mm -hmm. shortly yesterday, like, well, what do you get first? Do you do you have the outlay for all of your inputs or do you get paid? And one of the answers obviously yeah. you have that that upfront cost that is really substantial for yep. farmers every single year. And the payoff is, you know, months and months down the line. Yeah. But you have to have that initial investment so that that crop happens. And that's yeah. the same thing here. So that we can have the future promise and the increased efficiency of, you know, being able to get soybean meal into international markets and right. being able to, you know, cut back on that basis. All of that requires <laughs> that early investment. See, now I'm connecting all kinds of dots because <laughs> that boat that we were watching out there, the Ocean Flame, making its maiden voyage, it's worth $34 million. Wow. Okay. But it's got a scrap value of $6 million. So over the life of that vessel, it's going to make more than $34 million in trips. Way past that. Oh. Way past absolutely. that. But you think about how it, making that upfront investment because of the back-end payoff, wow. It, it, it's fantastic. Um, we've been building up to this, but I want to hear you summarize it for me. Tell me why what USB is doing here at, at the Port of Grays. Uh we're all the way up in the PNW. Why does it matter to a soybean grower in the Midwest? Well, whether you're a soybean farmer in Maryland, North Dakota, Missouri, Iowa, name any one of them, yep. any one of the states, major, Arkansas, small, even. Arkansas. Yep. Now, now I'm going to list all. I don't want to leave anyone yeah. out. Right, <laughs> There's so, only so, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I'll pause it right now. Um, but independent of where you are, you're most likely selling commodity beans, right? Yep. Commodity beans are... The, the price that you're receiving is a function of supply and demand on a global level, right? So it doesn't just matter what your local market conditions are. Yes, those matter for calculating basis. And that's where I think you see the first point of influence happen is, you know, by having increased efficiency of transportation and local points of delivery in the case of crush expansion, that means you're cutting back on that basis haircut. That's, yeah. that's a shift in your local demand yeah. conditions that is better for you as a farmer. But that doesn't mean a whole lot if you don't have a market to sell them into. Right. And what this investment in infrastructure does is it makes market access in, you know, particularly the, the Southeast Asian markets, even more viable, mm -hmm. right? And, like, if, if you've got that downstream market available, yep. uh, that 
really helps de-risk a whole lot throughout the whole system. What's happening here is going to make soybean meal a co-product with soybean oil again. Uh, we used to crush for meal. Once upon a time. Once upon a time. Now we're going to be crushing for oil for that renewable diesel and the biodiesel. It's making meal a byproduct. Let's make it a co-product again with the exports. Oh, absolutely. And this is this is one thing that I really want to stress. It's like, yes, we talk about a lot more meal coming online, but like that doesn't that's not an onus. That's an opportunity. That's an opportunity. That's yep. an opportunity for, you know, buyers who maybe haven't had the opportunity to experience US origin soy yeah. meal. A lot of buyers globally. You know what I wish we could do? I Tell wish, me. I wish we could go see where that boat's going to unload and watch it unload. I did. I was, I was looking at it on a vessel Wouldn't tracker. Wouldn't that be cool? I know what I'll be following. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about it. Mac, thank you so much. Always a pleasure, Chip. Thanks right. for having me. You bet. We're going to get more perspective from Belinda Burrier, USB Director, coming up next here on AgriTalk. If the world is your oyster, we've got pearls of wisdom on AgriTalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip Flory. Glad that you're with us this afternoon. And a big thank you to uh, United Soybean Board. We are partnering with USB to tell you the story about what's happening out here at Gray's Harbor in um, Aberdeen, Washington. Okay, Let's have a conversation now with Belinda Burrier. She, we, we talked with Belinda earlier today, this morning. Uh, Belinda is a Maryland soybean farmer and a USB director. She is the priority area coordinator for infrastructure and connectivity. Belinda, we just had quite the experience over there, didn't we? We sure did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I tell you, it was really cool to see that happen and that boat coming in. And as you were watching that boat come in, there was a lot of smiles on your face. Um, it, what were you thinking? What were you feeling as that was happening? Well, that ship was on its maiden voyage, and boy, was that fresh paint yep. super pretty. It's yeah. kind of like watching a combine come off the, the line, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Red or green, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was really cool. Wow. And to know, I mean, to know that... You're a soybean farmer from Maryland, but you can identify the role that you've played in that boat showing up at this dock. Big time. Big time. It, it, it's kind of, it, it's really exciting to see that ship come into dock like that and know that in five days they're going to be loading soybean meal out and gone. Yeah. Yeah. They said it'll take about, if if the weather's good, which... I don't know if that's going to hold or not, since I'm going to be heading back to the bunker here uh, tomorrow. But, but <laughs> yeah, three and a half days to get the thing loaded and on its way back out to um, to, to one of those Asian markets. So uh, what did you learn from that whole experience, Belinda, that, that other farmers need to understand? Port of Grays is a great facility. Uh, the investment that we've done through Soy Transportation Coalition has been fantastic. Uh, the The amount of soybean meal that's going to move through there and soy diesel is right there at the same yeah. harbor. I mean, geez, it was, we're we're on a good roll here, and to to project how much is going to be hitting that 
uh, ocean waves is mm -hmm. unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. And the efforts that USB has put into developing those markets, uh, that's important. But in your role it, on uh, the infrastructure um, area and the connectivity, of course, but the, the infrastructure in particular, when you saw that area that AGP is going to be expanding in over there, what were your thoughts there? It's additional 50 acres that they're going to be opening up and developing it. That's that's security here for the American farmer to know that they're going to be able to handle all that we can send this way. Yeah. Fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. That's got to be it, – it, it's rewarding when you can see something like that, isn't it? Yeah, come to fruition like this. Yeah. It, this, is, this is the ultimate. Uh, all the farmers out there need to know that, that their product is definitely going to be able to be sourced out and shipped anywhere yeah. in the world. Yeah. You know, and it, it might, some might find it hard to connect the dots from Port of Grays Harbor back to your farm in Maryland. But there is a connection, isn't there? The big time connection is, is that because all of the soy that can move, even though I don't use the P&W or Grays Harbor, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It is bringing value back to the those of us on the East Coast, I mean, we're, we're just as, we are beneficiaries just as much as anyone else. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, um, it that reminds me of a time that I got a call from Ken McCauley. He was a past uh, NCGA president, and we were talking about activity on the, on the Mississippi River. He's in Kansas, and he says that what happens on that river is just important to me as it is a guy that lives 10 miles from it. It be, it is big time, and the secure, national security is involved in keeping our infrastructure uh, up to date. Right, right. So, what would what would you say to someone that is out there right now, thinking to themselves, you know, I think maybe that's something that I would like to get involved in. How do and 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 uh, promoting U.S. soy products overseas? What would you tell them? I said, check out United Soybean Board for sure. But, uh, you know, I, I, behind the scenes, you can you can promote it through your social media, anything. I mean, yeah. there's, there's plenty of opportunity out there to share the word. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So uh, as, as you think about the future of the U.S. soy industry, what's got you excited the most? I'm glad United Soybean Board is on our side. <laughs> we have the checkoff. I mean, we can't get any better value out of our, our checkoff. Yeah. Well, you talked about it this morning. It's a $12 plus return on every dollar invested. Yeah, and I can't wait to see what the new one's, the new amount's going to be. It's getting ready to come out. Yeah, yeah. So it's really, really a cool event that uh, that you and I got to be part of out here and, and just keeping track of everything that that is happening and the way that the industry is changing and and what usb is doing to help the infrastructure change with it it's just it's really cool everybody's needs to understand what's happening right yeah it's definitely bringing huge value back at the farm gate yeah yeah no doubt no doubt belinda thank you so much appreciate you you're welcome all right that is belinda burrier she is a director for USB and uh, Priority Area Coordinator for Infrastructure and Connectivity. 
Davis Michelson, what a trip, dude. Um, it, it's been it, it's been an eye-opening experience out here in Washington. Well, that's excellent. Uh, let me just say, the 8 to 14 day, it's, it's a little different now. Below normal temperatures or below uh, average temperatures through most of the middle. Look at your coastal areas, your west coast, your east coast for the above normal chances. Uh, 8 to 14 day precipitation outlook, above normal temperatures for... Precept. Everybody except the uh, West Coast and the East Coast. Chip, over to you. Okay, so we've got above normal precip in the 8 to 14 day for the middle of the country? That's right. Oh, that's not exactly what I wanted to hear. You know, but hey, no, that could change because I'm going to be heading home on Thursday. <laughs> so you never know. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate you all. Tomorrow morning, Davis is getting on the College Roadshow headed to Kansas State University. Tomorrow afternoon, John Payne, Hedgepoint Global, right here on Agritalk.